This is an excerpt from Different Ways, Revealing the Feminine by Seal, published 2020. Chapter 6, Behind the Mask. Perhaps for many people, to be invisible would feel oppressive and isolating. It was rarely that way for me. I considered my invisibility my superpower. I liked how I could go into a room full of people and blend in so I could feel freer to look about without being noticed. Who cares about the tiny mouse or the fly on the wall? This is why I loved living in a city in my twenties. It was easy to disappear. I found it liberating. At that age, I lived with a sense of always being watched and judged, and certainly my mind, left to its own devices, would grind me down in this way. Being lost in a crowd gave me a sense that I was like everyone else, in some fundamental way. It gave me the impression that I could be okay and I could be like other people, people seemingly exempt from being abnormal. I've never known fame, but I've known popularity when I performed on stage for classmates. Between classes, people I didn't know would stare at me. I would double-take their stares in wondering why they looked at me like that, and then I'd realized I'd just performed a show or an assembly or something, and I put it together. But I was never comfortable with being popular or looked at. By the time I understood there was no controlling what others see, I was very much a master of invisibility and comfortable projecting the impression that I fit into most situations and maintaining that facade of being small and inconsequential. I think becoming famous would be one of the worst things to happen to someone, frankly. Certainly for me it would be. My skin would crawl. I had no defenses, and it would be too hard to keep myself safe. It wasn't always this way. When I was young, I envisioned myself quite the popular personality. I would imagine my getting interviews with the celebrity interviewer Merv Griffin on TV, throw my head back and laugh at all of his jokes, and generally charm the pants off the world. It never occurred to me that I would be anything but great until the world pressed in on me in ways I wasn't protected or supported as a child. Then the pressure of an uncaring world pushed me into reality. Children have no idea they would be considered exempt in any way from being and achieving anything they wanted without these lessons. My little seedling starts at infamy were quite quashed by the shame I came to feel over my confusions and the dangers that were brought to my attention. Before I knew it, I was shuttled off into my own self-styled witness protection program, a legend in my own mind. It is interesting to note how badly I wanted to be seen while still maintaining this invisibility. These inclinations did not disappear. They went underground within me when sharing who I really was fell out of the equation. The thing is, I didn't want to be seen by everyone. I desired to be seen by someone.
bill. There was one person in my life who saw me. At least I felt seen by him. Some people you get to know in your life, some people you just know. They draft one from within and draw a person out to a larger dispensation of themselves. That was how it was for me with Bill. I loved him instantly. When it occurred, it ambushed me, and it happened when I was way too young and damaged for it to ever lead to anything but a Shakespearean tragedy. Romeo and Juliet, 8th grade. He sat behind me in French class and leaned in to whisper something in my ear. Something so clever and naughty that I blushed. I heard a voice that spoke with something deep inside of me, some unexcavated wilderness. A buried treasure was unearthed by his voice. A different kind of smile that I had never known that I owned before forced its way out of me and took me by surprise. It was a short breath away from there to my heart. That was Bill. Bill was brilliant in a word. He was smart as a whip, and he knew no fear. No teacher was above him, and no person alive better than him. Bill had no filter. Most of his teachers in middle school were exasperated with him. Some were up for the challenge, though. And there were always interesting discussions erupting around things that Bill refuted. One notable dispute in class came when Bill was debating with the social studies teacher about freedom of speech. The argument raged on until the teacher insisted Bill didn't understand the concept when Bill said, Oh, yeah? I understand perfectly. Then, smiling, said, Fuck you. At which point the teacher was forced to escort him to the principal's office. We all fell about the class laughing. Brilliantly played, Bill. I fell for him, of course, but there was a problem. The problem was Bill. While he acted like no one else I had ever known, he also looked like no one I'd recognize as human. In my 12-year-old mind, a guy needed to appear a certain way to be a boyfriend, and Bill, with his long, dirty hair, stained clothing, smell, and sporting dirty fingernails that would have rivaled a sloth's, couldn't leave a mark on my half-baked idea of what I shallowly considered truly important in the realms of romance. But it wasn't just that. I knew him as special to me, in a spiritual way, that I would never have been able to articulate at that time, but it became obvious as my life unfolded. I did not need to show Bill that I loved him in the ways in which I eventually showed other boys I was still a virgin when I first met him. There would be no sex from me for Bill. He was in some way beyond all of that sex play that centrally meant so little to me, but seemed to be the entire focus of everyone else. There was a point when he was threatened for expulsion for being too hard to handle. He negotiated a deal with the school to do half a day through the term if he could have all his half-day classes with me. For this, he would be civil. He swore. And he was. 
I was thrilled to have him be close to me like that. I saw him as my friend, even though I had sweeping romantic feelings for him. They were seated in a part of me that I didn't even recognize, and frankly, I associated those feelings with the peace and love parlance that was permeating the times. He would make a play for me, and I would temper him with my friendliness, putting him off. I would walk him to the end of campus at lunch so he could walk home. We would linger at the fence. I remember feeling so happy with him. I recall there being a conflict about cultivating our pairing with the faculty. The male teachers especially didn't like any negotiations with such a juvenile delinquent, the junior high terrorist, the other boys my age, and they were just guys. They weren't magical. Later, he was forced to watch me screw nearly every one of his friends and neighbors. Perhaps it was nothing to him, perhaps it was. It was Bill who introduced me to the counterculture. He and his entire family were part of a new cultural identity called hippies. Their family all dressed wildly and played rock and roll music and were sharp beyond the norm. They were a very special family in town, their home a bohemian hub. Bill held the door open for me to enter this new way of being in the world by introducing me to an alternative consciousness, a new way to appear on the scene. I missed the part where I was supposed to join him on the journey or even be grateful for his gift he gave me. I just barreled right on past him, leaving him in my dust, as was my way. I used everyone and everything, and knew nothing of this not being the way to live. It was all I was taught of relationships. Well past these years, my memory of how poorly I treated Bill was a constant companion. Suffice it to say that what Bill saw in me was deeply hidden yet, and I hadn't the sense to see beyond what I decided we were about. This myopic world view and insensitivity on my part would be a lifelong issue for me, and a very long and painful slog in understanding what it meant to have and cultivate a sense of value in the world. I would try to balance what I expected of society and what society expected of me, and it was not a graceful dance. Once I was indoctrinated into the alternative lifestyle, I ceased to be comfortable with the commercial value radar of marketing in Main Street, USA. I would not be straying far, however. Like many of my peers, we fell into line when the going became too challenging and the counterculture spun into a homogenized, overindulgent mess. In reflection, the wave of amazing new ideas and alternative lifestyles happened too fast. I was way too young and already in too deep with personal trauma to be able to understand how to apply these new perspectives to my life properly. They curled up within me, and later in my life, when I had the time, I got caught up, or tried to, and I began to choose how to live my life differently and more in accordance to those values that had tried to capture me early on. Thank you for listening.